Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. I love this series that we're in called Playlist. And Pastor Todd made a statement last week that I think I agree with and we all agree with, that music maybe reaches our hearts more than anything else. Music can stir our souls. Music can bring back a memory, take us back in time. God uses music so many times to speak to us. And so I think it's important that we realize that, not just what we call church music, but all music, the music that we grew up listening to, the music that tells the story of our life. So often there are God messages contained there. We love the quote by St. Augustine that I think is true. Remember what St. Augustine said? All truth is God's truth. There's no such thing as secular or sacred. It's all God's. God uses everything to speak to us. There are sermons everywhere if we will just tune in and listen. So that's what we're about. In this playlist series, we ask people, what what on your playlist, what favorite songs of yours speak to you about God? And there were 200 songs that were nominated, and we took the top four, and we're doing the Casey Case of Countdown. So you remember last week, we began with number four on the list, which was Home by Philip Phillips. And today, we get to number three on our list, Fix You by Coldplay. And we're going to hear that immediately after the sermon. Now, I I want us to know, I I did a little research into that song. There's a powerful story there. There was actually, the band all wrote it together collaboratively, but it began by a band member named Chris Martin. His wife had, his his wife's father had died and she was grieving, was hurting over the loss of her dad. And so he started the song to help speak to his wife and give her comfort. All the band worked together on it. Really is a powerful message. In fact, this song speaks to me to such a degree, I have added it to my playlist. It is really kind of profound. But before we get to it, I want to share with you a little bit of how we need to understand the song to get the God message there. It's actually a song we have used a lot on Ash Wednesday, that day that we remember that we are just the dust of the earth, and it's God's spirit that makes us who we are. And so I think the key to getting the God message in the song are two things. One is when we hear the song, think of it as God singing it to us. God's giving us a message of hope. And the second thing that's the key, when we hear the words fix you, think about the words we normally use in our faith, heal you. And understand God's desire is to heal us. In fact, that's his heart. That's what he wants more than anything else. That's why he sent Jesus to come to hurting, broken people and to speak words of healing, to reconcile us with God. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and and burdened, and I will give you rest. Remember what he said in John 14, that last night with his disciples, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. That's the heart of God. That's why Jesus came, to bring healing to the world. So we're going to be thinking about how that happens. When I went into ministry, I heard a wise preacher give some advice that I followed 
and it's been really important to me. This was 37 years ago when I was surrendering to go into the ministry. This preacher said, pick a passage of scripture that's really important to you, that you want to be kind of your lifetime verse that captures what you hope to accomplish in your ministry and build it into a unique benediction that only you have. And let that benediction every week remind you of, of what your ministry is about and what you hope to accomplish. So y'all know the benediction. You've heard me use every Sunday for 30 years. I've been using it for 36 years. And it's taken from our scripture lesson for today that the choir just sang about for us from Isaiah chapter 40, looking at verses 28 through 31. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn now to Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Hear the word of the Lord. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What this passage is about is is healing. God wants to come to us when we are broken and lift us up, renew our strength, help us mount up with wings like eagles. And we know when we know that that's God's desire for us to heal us, that's the beginning place for a life of faith. Everything else is built on that understanding of God's desire to heal us. So, so what does that mean? How do, we, how do we claim that healing that is God's desire? I think this passage gives us some secrets, three things that it says that I want us to notice. And one is we learn the nature of God. The nature of God, that's what Isaiah writes. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God knows everything about us. His understanding of us, his wisdom for us is unsearchable. God knows things about us that we don't know about ourselves. Sometimes what we think needs healing isn't really what needs healing. There's something more going on. That's why we need to connect with God and listen to God because God will help us get to know ourselves and get through those layers so that we can unpack those places in our lives that need healing. We need to know that is God's nature. In fact, Tony Capolo, you remember, he actually came and preached at White's Chapel in my early years here in the 1990s. Baptist preacher, uh, professor, writer, great public speaker. I remember a story Tony Campolo told about healing. He said he has preached at a church in, in Oregon, and at the end of the service, the Holy Spirit prompted him to do something he hadn't planned of, hadn't planned on, hadn't really prepared for, but the Spirit prompted him to give an invitation. After the sermon, he said, anybody that's here that needs healing, if you would like to come forward, I will pray for you and anoint you with oil. So he gave that invitation. He said about 30 people stayed and for that prayer of healing and to be anointed with oil. And he said, most people that came, it really wasn't a physical illness or situation in their lives. Uh, People came because they had addictions. Some people came because they had problems in their marriage. Other people came because there was anger, all kinds of reasons. And he prayed for everybody, anointed them with oil. 
He said, about four days later, got a phone call from a lady. He said, Tony, I want you to know my husband and I are at church on Sunday, and you prayed for my husband. He had cancer. And Tony heard that, and he said, wow, I hear you say he had cancer. Do you mean he was healed? Is he now cancer-free? And the lady said, no, he died. And Tony thought, well, great. A lot of good my prayer for healing did. And she could sense the dejection in his voice. And she said, no, Tony, you don't understand. My husband knew he was in the last stages of cancer. He knew he was about to die, and he was mad. He wasn't ready to go. He was angry. He was mad at God. At night, he would lay in bed, and he would curse God. He was furious, and the matter he got with God, the meaner he got to the rest of us. It was just horrible. It was unbearable. But he came to church that Sunday, and when you prayed for him and anointed him with oil, something happened. He left different. I could tell he was different. I could tell something had changed within him. He said, she said, the last four days were the greatest days of our lives because my husband was changed. We talked together. We laughed together. We even sang hymns together. Those days are glorious. They're the most precious days of my life. And then she said something so profound. She stopped and said to him, Tony, my husband wasn't cured but he was healed. We need to learn that lesson because every one of us here has a burden or a scar or a hurt. There's not a one of us that doesn't need healing. And the Lord knows that. Sometimes the healing that we need is physical, maybe an illness or we're stuck in a situation of life that we really don't want to find ourselves. Sometimes it's mental. Sometimes we're angry or we have a spiral of negative thinking we can't seem to break out of. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes we haven't gotten the answers that we want and we really are mad at God. Sometimes it's relational. People have let us down or we're lonely or we're isolated. We can list a thousand things. But what we need to know is God knows. God knows our hearts. God knows what we're dealing with. And the beginning place for healing is to recognize that God knows that his understanding is unsearchable. Here's the second lesson we learn. We can't fix ourselves. We can't heal ourselves. I love what verse 30 says. Even the strongest among us can't. Youth will faint and be weary. The young will fall exhausted. We can't heal ourselves. None of us is strong enough. We can't fix ourselves. My wife, Debbie, sent me a, a little video clip. You may have seen it. It was on Facebook last week. There is a, a, a public speaker, kind of a motivational speaker, comic named Michael Jr. Was not familiar with him, but anyway, Deb got this video. He filmed it after his second daughter was born. They were there after the baby had been born, and he took his phone out, and he filmed. Let me kind of share what's going on. Uh, his daughter was born. She was two and a half minutes old. We're going to see in the clip. Uh, she had been cleaned up by the nurses, the medical personnel that were there, and then she started to cry. And her dad starts to speak to her, and, and, and notice what happens when she hears her father's voice. Let's watch this little clip. Now look, we're in the hospital room. She's uh, sticky and she's baby and all that stuff. And she's in the middle of crying. And then I speak up. I start talking to her and watch how she responds when she hears my voice. 
okay, Portland. Look, I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. I'm right here. I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay. It's okay. I'm right here. Right here. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay, baby. It's okay. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> so check it. A few minutes later, uh, the nurse starts working on her, puts her pamper on her, and uh, I'm not saying anything, and she actually starts to cry again. Then I speak up, she hears my voice, and stops crying, like again. But I want you to notice what else happens after I tell her that I love her. Portland, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm right here. I'm right here. I am right here. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. That is amazing to me. And there is such a powerful sermon there because I think that's a parable of our lives. We are like infants. We can't fix ourselves. We can't heal ourselves. We can't dig out of the, the ditches or the mess that we find ourselves in. But we know the one who can. And we listen for his voice. And when we hear his voice say, I love you, that's when we smile. You see, that's our story. We can't fix ourselves, but we follow the one who can. We listen for his voice, and we listen to hear him say, I love you. Which leads us to the final thing that we learn from this passage, and that is God who does the healing. We can't fix ourselves, we can't heal ourselves, but God is the one who acts. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. God is the one who acts. God is the one who brings healing. So the question is, how do we hear his voice? How do we listen and lean in and hear his words of healing and love? So I was thinking about my life and, and how I do that. And I think it's some, some thoughts maybe that can help us all. One of the ways we hear God's voice is when we gather for worship. That's the reason that we worship, because we want to hear God. And God can speak to each one of us in a different way, through a different, different means. Some it's through music. Some it's through a piece of orchestra or a baptism or a prayer or a scripture reading or a message or a video clip or the hug of a friend that's in this place. But we are here to hear God speak to us, to hear those words, I love you. Many of you know, those that don't, my family had a tragedy. Um, six and a half years ago, we lost my daughter Chandler. And for about three years, I was just in this horrible fog. And I will tell you, in that fog, I found peace in, in two places that were really kind of not what I would have expected. One is in the mornings, Debbie and I would go outside and sit in the backyard and drink coffee. And we wouldn't say a word. We would sit there in silence and watch red birds. People had given us a legend that basically said red birds are messengers from God. And we would sit there and every time we would see a red bird, we would think this is a messenger from God, this is an angel, this is telling us that our loved one is near. And I will tell you, God has filled our backyard with red birds. If you ever wanna see a red bird, just come to my house in the morning. They are all over the place and it just gave me comfort. That meant so much to me. 
But the second thing was worship. From the very beginning, the place I found comfort was worship. Because when we gather together and we sing and we share and we hear this amazing music, the spirit is strong in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place and we can find comfort. So I would come to church and I would worship in every sermon and every service. I would just cry and I would cry and I would cry some more and then I would cry and I still do. Every service we do an over and under. How many times I'm going to cry? And if we set it at five, I lose every time. It's always over. But you know what I have learned? And this is the craziest thing. One of my favorite things in life is crying in church. I love it. I love that better than a cowboy game. Way better than a cowboy game. And the reason is there's healing in our tears. When we cry, we soften our hearts and we lean in. And in our tears, we can hear God speak words of healing. I love you. You're not alone. I'm with you. It's what worship is all about. We worship to hear God speak to us those words of healing. We also hear God speak to us in Holy Scripture. The Bible is God's living, breathing, holy word, and God speaks to us in Scripture. I have to tell you, I use a guide for prayer, and I have been for many, many years. It was actually a guide for pastors put out 45 years or so ago, and there's Scripture readings every day in a psalm and a guide to prayer, and it's amazing to me how often the Scripture passage is a personal word just for me. And I will read that and I will think, how did that writer know 45 years ago that on this day I needed this word? How did God know? But the scripture speaks only just to me, a message. And that's how God works. That's why this scripture is so important to us that we use it in our faith journey, not so much for information, but for transformation. God encounters us. God speaks to us in scripture. And we need to approach scripture in the spirit to listen to God. Another way that God speaks to me is quiet. And that's not easy for me. I have obsessive thinking and I like to be around people and noise all the time. And it is not easy for me to quiet myself, but I have found my best place to do that is in my backyard. My wife, Debbie, has arranged and designed for us some beautiful gardens. And not just in the morning, I just go outside and I just say, stop thinking. Turn my brain off, be still, be quiet. It's amazing when I can do that, I can hear God's word of healing in a better way. In fact, I ran across a study, interesting, this was a secular study, scientific study. They took 500 people that had had terrible life events. They were in a bad place, they were worried, they were anxious, they didn't know how to handle their situation. And for half of those people, they taught them a prayer and they wanted to measure scientifically its effect if it did any good. So for half the people, 250 people, they taught them to pray three words. That word from Disney's Frozen, let it go. They said, just stop and be still and pray over and over again. Let it go, let it go, let it go. And they measured their response on their their physical symptoms and their body. The other half, they had them pray a different prayer. Three words as well. For 250 of them, they they had them pray the title of the Beatles' great song, Let It Be. And so they would be quiet and they would pray, Let It Be. 
Let it be, let it be. And it was interesting, their results. The first group that prayed, let it go, 24% of them were better. It helped them calm down. It helped them see life differently. Um, it made them just experience life in a much better way. The second group that prayed, let it be, 45% were better. It helped them calm down and be still over twice as much. And, and the people who did the research, the scientists said something interesting. This is what they wrote. They said, those that repeated, let it be, felt the experience was less effortful. In other words, when you let something be, it just is. You don't have to do anything to it or to yourself. When you let something go, however, there's a part of the process that's asking you to actively do something. Let go of a feeling or a thought. It requires some doing on our part and is therefore less effective. Isn't that amazing how our spiritual formation leaders have been teaching us that all along? One of the most powerful prayers is to be still and quiet and put out our hands and pray, let it be, let it be, let it be. Because it's in that place we can start to hear God powerfully and he will lead us to that place where we best hear God and that's the place of trust, trust. You see, we can't heal ourselves, we can't fix ourselves, but we trust the one who can. Again, look at this passage. It's the Lord. When we wait on the Lord, he is the one that renews our strength. He is the one that enables us to mount up with wings like eagles. He is the one that helps us run and not be weary and walk and not be faint. It's God's power. And when we don't see the way, when we don't know what to do, when we think there is no answer, we trust. We trust the one who does see, whose desire is to heal us. And when we trust, we don't exactly know how he's gonna do it or when he's gonna do it. We trust that he is going to do it, that he will bring healing into our lives. A few months ago, I read a biography of one of my spiritual heroes, Dr. William Barclay. He was a Scottish theologian. He wrote a, uh, some commentaries to the New Testament that I've used my whole ministry. I have learned so much from Dr. Barclay. It was a wonderful story of his life and his ministry. And I was reminded of a story that I'd actually kind of forgotten about. He and his family had a horrible tragedy. His daughter, who was 21 years old, and her fiance were about to be married in a few weeks, and they died in a boating accident just a few weeks before their wedding. Well, it was horrible, it was horrific, and he sat down later and he wrote about how they got through that moment. Listen to what Dr. Barclay said. When things like that happen, there are just those things to be said. First, to understand them is impossible. Second, Jesus does not offer simple solutions to them. What he does offer us is his strength and help to somehow accept what we do not understand. And thirdly, the one fatal reaction is the bitter resentment which forever meets life with a chip on the shoulder and a grudge against God. The one saving reaction is simply to go on trusting to go on living, to go on working, and to find the strength and courage to meet life with steady eyes. That's what we do in the place of pain. 
and we don't know the way and we don't know how God's going to get through us, we go on trusting. We go on living. We go on keeping our eyes on God and stay connected to God because we know he sees what we can never see. And he will lead us into words of Coldplay that we're fixing to hear. Lights, the light of Jesus Christ will guide us home. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. In those moments of pain when we are broken and when we are hurt, we know that you are there. You understand. You know far better than we do. And in those moments, you try to teach us to trust your love, to count on your love, and to know we can't fix ourselves. Even the strongest of us can't do it. But when we turn to you and keep our eyes on you, you will help us mount up with wings like eagles. You will help us keep living, keep trusting, keep walking, keep just embracing life in your name. And every step of the way, Lord, help us know that lights, your light, will guide us home. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.